Alrighty. Good morning, everybody. Spring forward, spring break. This is not the Sunday for preachers to preach. You're supposed to give it to someone else to do it, but somehow it fell on my day. But good to see everybody this morning. Everyone online, good to see you. Before we get going, guys, I want to just make an announcement about uh, some things that's been taking place. I know we all have been reading the paper and, and the news about the coronavirus. Just want to let you know here at Grace Point Church, we take that seriously. Uh, we know one thing, though. We, God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind, self-control. And what we're trying to do here, where we put things in place to make sure we don't cause the spreading of that. We have uh, hand sanitizers all around the building. We've been at a higher alert on this because of the flu seasons that we've had the last few years. So we install them everywhere, so we want to make sure anything that the, the health department says we need to change will change. But we want to let you know you're safe here. Everyone online, like we do, we understand the reality of it. We also know that we, we can do what we do, and we know what God does. And that's what we always, he calls us to do. So, um, again, don't walk in fear. Just walk in love. Walk in the power that God has given you. And keep a sound mind when everybody else seems like it might be um, going, um, going south. But you can pray for our churches in San Antonio, our church in Houston. They're right in the middle of a lot of that, and they've been dealing with that. But they're still having services. They're not um, canceling services. And they, put a lot, they have a lot of things in place. Uh, a lot of things we already put in place in our children's area because that's what the health departments want us to do. So uh, just be praying that what started will just go away. Amen? Amen? So if you've been coming for a while, if you're a guest, we've been in our, this is our third installment of My City um, series. And My City series is an amazing series. We started off, and we're talking about the town of Abilene, how we want to engage. This year, we want to engage our city. The whole year, we're talking about engaging. And what we want to do, we have a sermon series about how we can engage our city, how we can engage our community. Next uh, week, we start a new series, Jesus and, and we're going to talk about those issues that are affecting our community, how we can be a light to those in, uh, who's in the world trying to figure out what's going on. So to the last two weeks ago, we talked about my city, which is a city. Uh, we feel uh, Abilene is a city on the hill because it's a unique city. Second thing, we talked about the diversity of our city, which is amazing. Today, we're going to talk about how connected our city is, how connected. We have a, a great town. We have, we're known for a lot of play, things outside of Abilene, Texas. In fact, the way we connect with one another, if you didn't know that there's a, there's a uh, in, in headquarters Air Force, there's an award called the Abilene Award on how the community connects with the military. They named that because of the connection and the, uh, we have with our military and how much we support them. If you go on Dias Air Force Base, you can see a whole a, a big uh, 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 aircraft park a fi um, where you can go to a park and walk around. Abilene paid for that. We've been to other places where they have an air park, they call it, and we see it online. It looks great online. Then we show up, it's only three airplanes. But it looked great when they did it. But uh, we have a lot, and there's a lot more going in. So that's just our area. A uh, way our universities collaborate together, uh, a way our, um, the way we sing now, our medical uh, um, fields are starting to collaborate. Our um, um, Hendrix and Ab Abilene Region, a lot of things are coming together because we're a connected city. Our nonprofits, we're known again from outside of Abilene that take the best care of those who are homeless. A lot of people in different uh, uh, states bring their people, have their people come down here because they said we take care of them so well. We're the first city that actually were able to house all our homeless veterans. So we care, 
our city cares, and we're in the middle of the city. And what does the church do? Church, God wants us as a church to connect. One thing I remember when we were talking about this series, this is a quote from T- Tim Keller. It says this, for ministry and cities do to be effective, it is cri- critical that Christians appreciate cities. For ministry in cities to be effective, it's critical that Christians appreciate cities. That's Tim Keller. He's a a pastor in New York City. He loves New York City. He's done a a Redeemer Church. He's done amazing work. And what we're going to do today is about connection. And the scripture we're going to use, what Jesus talks about connecting, how we can connect to those outside to bring them closer to Jesus. We want to take people far from Jesus and bring them near. And we're going to be in the book of Luke Chapter 5, verse 17 to 26 is a familiar story. It's in all the Gospels except John. Uh, but I'm going to be reading from the ESV. You can uh, see it on the screens. It starts with this, verse 17. It says, On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who came from every village in Galilee and Judea, from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because the crowd, they went out up on the roof and let down with the bed through the tiles in the midst of before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, you want to circle that, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who can speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, they were right on that. No, they was wrong on everything else. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts, which is easy to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you now, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and they were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. In the book of Mark, chapter 2, at the very last verse, he says, we have seen something we've never seen before. And he's talking about the extraordinary. How many know God, Jesus works, in, God works in the extraordinary? We do the ordinary, but he does the extraordinary. And this whole story is, again, it's an amazing story. Again, it's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, also Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. And it's talking about as Jesus came on the scene after he had the Sermon on the Mount, after he declared who he was, he was saying there, he starts saying, now the kingdom of God is here, and I'm going to show you how the kingdom of God operates and how the kingdom of God has authority here on earth. Through healings, through all the things that were taking place. You saw in the beginning of this scripture, in this passage, he, le- he, he healed somebody with leprosy. A modern-day AIDS um, patient, he healed. And he was showing that the kingdom of God has authority on earth to heal, to save, to do everything. And he was presenting that. And with that coming along, popularity of Jesus went up. So everyone wanted to flock to see him and be around the healer, be around the guy who can change their lives, transform their lives. But also opposition showed up. Because every time you want to do something for God, you're going to have opposing factors against God. Make sense? And he's in in a place in his house. And you'll see here, let's go to verse um, 17. I'm going to unpack this story and tell you what this thing is on the stages is all about. He said, on one of those days as he was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. 
Now, you got to understand, Jesus put his house or put his, where he lived and stayed was in a Greek influence, influential area. It wasn't a lot of Jews. He was in Capernaum. In fact, I have a picture of Capernaum when I went to Israel. Now, this was the largest Hellenistic uh, healing centers around that area. They had seven healing centers. They were known for healing. Jesus puts his house there right next by Peter's next to him, his house. He shows up and shows you can have all the healing centers you want, but the true healer is here. And you read that sign, it says this, that he became the village of the comforter, the, the village of the healer. Who are they talking about? Jesus Christ himself. And he says it was power to heal, which means there was power and authority over every spiritual and physical sickness was residing in Jesus at that moment, showing his deity. And guess what, guys? As believers, when we have meetings, the same power that raised, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in each and every one of us. Our meetings shouldn't be boring. It should be full of life. Amen? So you see that over the And then here's my takeaway for the day. What these, we see with these men who showed up had a mission. And the mission was, they did a few things here. It says, here's my takeaway. To remove all barriers to bring people to Christ so he can remove all barriers to put them in Christ. We're to remove every barrier from people's lives to get them to Christ so Christ can remove all the barriers to get them in Christ. We do what we can do, and God does the rest. And it's hard work. Because how many know people are messy? How many know people are inconvenient? How many know the kingdom is inconvenient? How many know you walk around and you work with some messy people? And they look great. They dress up nice, but they're messy. So look like what these guys did, these, these, these amazing guys here. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, let down the bed through the tiles into the midst of Jesus. I love, um, I love the book of Mark because Mark is more descriptive because it's written to uh, non-Jews the audience, and it says in, in Mark chapter 2, 1, he was at home. Jesus was at his home. Some writers say he was in Peter's home, which was right next door. But I wanted, when I went to Israel, our, our tour guide said he was in, Jesus was in his home. And I think I have a picture of his home that I went to go see as I'm going through this. Jesus, as you look, we go into his house. I mean, his house was down here. They built something over it. Jesus was the only one with a, uh, a, a round house. Why? Because he's Jesus. And you can look down, and it gives you a place right in the dead center where people will meet. And you get the idea of what was going on. In Mark chapter 2, verses 3, you can go through those pictures. Go ahead and go to the next one. That's some of the area of his house. That's the area where you can go up the steps and you can go to the roof. A lot of people spent time on the roof in the summertime because it was hot. It was strong enough to go up there and hang out 
eat, and all those other things. A lot of, they didn't do it inside, they did it outside. Next one, just some of the foundation around his house. Get and go to the next one. And that's the synagogue that they talk about a lot in Capernaum because Peter's house is right next door to it. And if you go to Capernaum, you can go up the hill, out to Capernaum, and go up on the hill where the Sermon on the Mount was. So I spent time here, and we were going through that. We said, you made the Bible seem like they were going miles. They was going from one neighborhood to another, or one, not even one street, just next door, just next door, just next door. And the synagogue was right there. And why not put your synagogue right there? And why not have Jesus be right there where the synagogue is, who's supposed to be preaching the truth around the seven healing centers? What a place to put my work. Jesus always puts his work in the middle of the need. Makes sense? So if you look at Mark chapter 2, verse 3, you see it's four men. And then you get to verse 4. It explains even more. Now, they think about, they came down something like this. It's a, um, I call, they call it a modern-day litter. It's a mat with ropes on them. And they were showing up, and they couldn't get into the house because everyone was in the house, and Jesus was pre preaching in the house. So they couldn't get in. So these four guys were at a quandary. I mean, he was at a moment now. What do we do? What do we do? Well, why don't we try to come back tomorrow because it's no good today. It's not convenient today. And one of them probably said, man, let's go on the roof. Man, we can't go on the roof. That's their house. But, and that's Jesus' house. But if he asks who tore up his roof, can we blame you? <laughs> sure. Let's go. We're gonna get the, we got to get this guy in front of Jesus. See, see the tenacity of that? Now I got to get to Jesus myself and get what he's supposed to give me. I got to get somebody who's not in the house in the house. When you're in the house, we, sometimes we're in the house, we get complacent and we start complaining. We're already in the house and those who are not in the house need to get in the house and our job is to get them in the house at any means necessary. When we talk about engaging our culture, it's not comfortable. It's not even, I mean, you're gonna be, there's going to be some fear factor, but it needs to be done because when we're doing what God calls us to do, we don't have time to think about nothing else. Do we? We don't have time to think about the sidebars because if we don't make that important, everything else becomes important. That's not really important. And we have issues in the church that's not important because we have issues because the devil says, give them issues so they'll not think about getting the person who's laying here in the house. And sometimes we're at work and people who walk by them every day laying in the house. And some of you might be laying right now on this. And so we got to get up. Then you look at Mark. The way they wrote the, the scripture, that passage, they dug through the tiles, the mud, the straw. It said he took the whole roof off. They dug through all the mess to get them to Jesus. Do you have friends that you need to witness to? Dig through all their mess. Dig to all their unforgiveness. Dig to all those things they need to be dug. We, and who's going to do it for them? They can't do it for themselves, remember? They're, they're paralyzed. So who's going to do it for them? 
They need some new, they need some Christians who are some green berets to go up there and take it out. And it makes, that makes Christianity, I tell you what, exciting. Well, I'm going to go hang with someone who's a negative 10. It might take them a year to come to Jesus, but I got work to do. Don't we take the easy way out? I'll just send them a text. Maybe that will work. Don't we? I mean, if it's hard, it can't be God. Come on. I'm like that. Comfort, that's my middle name. I don't have a middle name, so I call Richard Comfort Brown. <laughs> they dig out all the mess. And Jesus is in there preaching. And this is a, moment, this is a meeting of all meetings. I've been in a house before. I've never seen the roof start coming off on me. Because you're digging. Gravity works. Stuff is falling, hitting you in the eyes. Okay, I got to keep preaching. Now, if you didn't have hair, it would be a lot easier. Stuff falling all over everybody. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? He's still preaching. What's going on? They take the whole roof off. Stuff comes falling everywhere. You ever been distracted when you're trying to work? Stuff's everywhere. And next thing you know, this thing gets lowered down by four guys with no names, which tells you they don't mind who gets the credit because God always gets the glory. A lot of us don't grab this handle because we want to have significance. So the, we, make sure you point me out that I did it. When no one cares about who gets the credit, we'll win our city. It ain't Grace Point Church. It's the kingdom of God. Right? So you lower them down, and oh, man, it's amazing things take place. They removed all the barriers, all the excuses why they can't come to Jesus. You ever hear people, I can't come because the ceiling might, you ever hear this line? I can't, um, you know, I can't come to church because the, the ceiling might fall in on me. Because you feel you're so worse, you're so bad, you are just so deprived, depraved that God's going to kill you as you walk in the building. But no, God has some people. And some of you, you know how you got here to Christ? You have some people digging through your life. You know, your, your praying grandmother? Digging. Your mom? Digging. Just digging. Lord, remove all excuses from them. Lord, make them the prior. And they're praying years after year. And the minute you step in and say, I love Jesus, they're going to say, we made it. And no one even knows their name. And no one even knows they did it. That's amazing. That's what I love about this story. It even gets better. Bringing them in. Lower them down. Rip the tiles out. Fingernails all messed up. Get him down to Mr. What's happening? Removed all that. What ignited their faith? Love. How much do you love God? Because the, to the level you love God is the level you love people. Think about it. How do we know how? How do we know we have faith by our actions? How do we know we love God by our actions? See, we can sing about God's all day, great all day, but if you hate your neighbor. You don't love God. Because if you love God, you love who he loves. See, singing's great. It's man, man, love, love, love singing. Until we say, um, let's go. Now I'm standing on God's promises while I'm sitting in the premises. They'll come to you. I remember when I went on a mission trip, we sung songs, we got trained, and the brother said, Rich, Let's go. I said, now you're kidding. I'm the pastor. I don't go out here and do this. And went to Cincinnati, and I went out there and did it. 
speaking people, not bringing them to church, bringing them to Jesus. We went from singing to doing. Our faith was being used at that moment. Make sense? So what happened? Their love ignited their faith. And what happened with their faith? It has to be amazing faith because verse 20 says, And he saw their faith and said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? I love that part. Which is easy to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, rise up and walk. So Jesus said, okay, because I'm God, watch this. But as you may know that the Son of Man, which is the first time he mentioned that, has authority on earth to forgive sins, I'm going to go a little further so I can prove that you can't say I'm crazy. He said to that man who was paralyzed, I tell you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. The reason why he did that, because they couldn't tell if that man was, was, uh, was actually transformed by him forgiving his sins. But it came really proof when he got up and he walked out. They said, well, they couldn't say, well, you know, it's not going to work. You know, you ever, you ever have naysayers attached to you everywhere you go? Jesus had them all the time. When you said, let's go and do, no, you know, I ain't going to work. And it's not going to do it, you know. Okay, go in the closet and leave me alone. We got to do this, right? And what happens is they were waiting for, not that, for, not that, for, that, ah, for that not to happen. That's why they were sitting there. It isn't going to happen. It isn't going to work. We got them now. <laughs> we got them. That church is never going to do anything. That church is never going to grow. We got them now. We're so right. They should have got rid of them a long time ago. You know, we wait. We're just waiting. We're just waiting. We're just waiting. And the man said, get up. I know now Jesus, because he's God, didn't say, how you like me now? Here's the problem. The naysayers were Christians. Not Christians, perceived Christians. Yep. Know where you get shot at? Know where you hear your, all your most of your unbelief? Not outside. You get shot inside. You want, you want proof of that? Read the, whole book, uh, read the whole New Testament with Paul. Who shot him? Not the lost folks. Who tried to kill him? Not the lost folks. Lost folks loved him. Lost folks loved Jesus. It was the people who knew, supposed to know better, shot him. Right? Unforgiveness but comes straight from, and it comes close. And what happened? Their faith grabbed Jesus' attention. I love faith. How many got faith like this? Persistent. Creativity. How are we going to hit Dias? How are we going to go? Let's talk about that. How are we going to hit all those people on Dias? What squadrons can we touch right now? How can we hit everybody in uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield versus they keep taking my insurance part. Anyway, how you, I, I mean, how do we do that? Okay, first we got to say yes, and then second, God, Holy Spirit, give us the creativity to touch them. Now, we don't talk about that. We'll just talk about lights. We'll talk about carpet. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about that. And devil say, yes, keep talking about that because you'll never get to this, which is the most important thing that we're on earth to do. Right? Amen? Amen. That's what he likes. How do we touch? Teachers, Federal Credit Union. What do we got to do to get some of that money? Just kidding. How we, what do we got to do? <laughs> what? Those who aren't saved. Uh, wait, uh, tell us. Those who you work with. They look great propped up. But they're really here. 
They're paralyzed. You know anyone's paralyzed now from fear because of coronavirus? I don't make light of that because of the reality. When you start cleaning out stores, it's because of fear. Now, the ones with faith, the way Jesus saw their faith is the way they need to see our faith. Not condescending, but helping. You don't have to worry about that. Let's do what we can do and let Jesus do what we can't do. You, you see what I'm saying? He didn't call us to be weird. He called us to be normal. But we already walking in the finished work of Jesus. They're trying to win something. We already won. They grabbed his attention. And you saw, and I, you know, I used to get this story wrong. And we see that faith is contagious. Now, the way I was taught this story, and the way I even taught this story was just the four guys. He saw the four guys as faith. Well, it had to take faith for this guy. One, he's laying there, but where are you taking me? I'm going to take you to this guy. Oh, you're not going to take me to the healing center down here? No, I got a guy. It's all in one. He'll, he'll take care of you. So he had faith in them, and he says, I'm going to take you to Jesus. So he had a resemblance of faith of Jesus. So when he saw their faith in one accord, and they thought he just needed healing, they didn't understand that he needed Forgiveness. There's always a need, but there's a need that we can't see, and Jesus know they needed forgiveness. Know that. He can see beyond that. What happened? Faith in Jesus unlocks forgiveness from Jesus. Faith in Jesus unlocks forgiveness. How do you unlock it? Faith. Now, you got to realize, unforgiven sins are more detrimental than unhealed limbs. We love to go with the limbs. We love to go with the action. But you got to understand, there's a spiritual need that has to take place first. I remember when we got here in 2012 when I first took over, and they were doing a deliverance stuff. And they wanted to do a deliverance on a couple because they felt like they'll set them free. I said, do you even know the couple? Yeah, we, we, we were ready to do deliverance. I said, do you know they live together? No, I didn't know that. Do you know they're living in sin? No, we didn't know that. So what are you going to deliver them from? You want to give them freedom, but they're not really set free. Do you know they're not even saved? We never, we never, know why? Because you got caught up in the action, and you call, you call yourself deliverance ministers, and the only deliverance minister is Jesus Christ himself. And then can I tell you, salvation is a whole lot better than deliverance. Because when you get saved, you're delivered. What happened to him? Unforgiveness unlocked the door for him to get up. Think about it. Unforgiveness. How powerful is unforgiveness? Or when you're not forgiven by Christ. When he set us free, he set us free. Salvation sets us free so we can get up and be free, act free, walk free, dance free, and share free. Amen? Yes. And how do you do it? With a word. 
He didn't take them and shake them. You ever been in places? The spirit of God says, they shake you like, will you stop? And then they're trying to push you down. What are you pushing me down for? Just say the word, bro. It ain't even your word. It's his word. Jesus said, get up. I know he ain't screaming out. Will you get up? And the word hit faith. The faith hit the ground and took off. What a formula. It ain't even my word. See? That's what faith does. Faith doesn't, you don't receive faith to sit and judge people. Because they're acting lost. And we don't need to judge each other. How many know none of us are perfect? Yeah. How many know we've never seen each other beyond Sunday, some, some of us? So, it's detrimental. So, the most important thing was, the, was his spiritual healing, which led to his physical healing. But he couldn't flip-flop it. Don't be, look, look at, listen to me. Do not try to go for the physical things, finances, your marriage, all those things. If you're spiritually, you're off. If you can't, you can't have a good marriage if you're walking in unforgiveness with your husband. God's not going to heal that. In fact, he's going to say most of the time, we talked about it when I was on campus at Hardin-Simmons the other day, most people don't understand about the gospel. They think it's always for someone else. But they got to realize God changes us first before we can help them change. So you want to say, my husband, well, if you can have unforgiveness in your heart, there's no way I'm going to answer that. Because if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. Listen to me. If you have art with your brother and he's trying to present a gift, you can't even do that. In fact, I've read in First Peter, if you have upset with your wife, you won't even get your prayers answered. And that's where I, he spelled it out. So you better be okay. <laughs> I mean, why did you spell it like, like that? You see? And unforgiveness is minor leagues, like healing in the Bible. But there's major leagues in our lives. Some of you haven't been free from your parents and what they've done. And everyone else is paying for it. And you're on, you're on the stretcher. But there's people on a stretcher that can't get up. And the only one that can get them up is us. Like when you go fly, they said, put your oxygen mask on first so you can help other people. Well, if you're bound, you can't help anybody else because all you care about is yourself. What happened here? Talking about the power of forgiveness, set them free. You know the first thing when we talk about um, the very first thing we talk about when we do uh, Victory Day is relational dysfunction. We notice when we get through a relational dysfunction, well, that's all. We'll, we'll just hang around now because we, um, broke, we broke that off. Now we can touch everything else. If we try to do everything else before relational dysfunction, which is unforgiveness, we get nowhere. Isn't that amazing? How God, and the power of forgiveness. When he got forgiven, he got up. What happened when he got up? He said this. And immediately he rose up. He had faith to get up, which they had to prove. But before them, he picked up what he had been lying on, lying on for years, forever, went home, glorifying God, and amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and they were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Now think about it. You lower him down. You're down there. Is it working? It's going to work, man. We're going to get this guy free. 
He gets up. You're like, we can't wait to get down the steps. And they, I bet you the crowd just moved out the way. Who are these guys? And they got their chest bumping and everything else. And they're going now. Let's come on, man. We're going home. We're going to have a great time, man. It's amazing. What happens then? Jesus is like, who's going to fix my roof? Now, some people say it was at Peter's house, Peter's mother's house. Mother-in-law's upset. Who's going to fix my roof? Well, they didn't have State Farm back then. He probably said, Jesus, do not have no more meetings in any more houses. Do it outdoor. What did he say? They took the roof off. What does faith do? It takes the roof off. We take the roof off people's lives. They can get to Jesus. What's their roof? What's some of the things we got, the barriers in their lives? I'll name them all. Fear, number one, which is causing so much pain right now. How about guilt? How about doubt? How about pain? How about maybe resentment over they got hurt in some church before? We live in Abilene. Well, you do better than other. Uh, okay, I'm not going to be better within five months. In fact, I'm so good at it, you, I won't be better in five days because I'll offend you. I'm good at it. I'm really, I offend myself half the time. But they're paralyzed. You know what we do, Adam? We, you know what we're doing today? This is today. I wonder who's fault with this. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if his mother did this. I know what it is. It's his dad. Um, well, I don't have time to take him anywhere because I, I got I got You know, I'm going to church and I'm, I'm trying to get trying to get blessed. But, you know, I don't have time, man. I mean, are you going to take the front or am I going to take the front? Does it really matter? All those things that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks ago keeps us from doing what we call, and we call it big things. They're not big. Well, it's four guys, Pastor Rich. You better be gender neutral. I don't care. If she can lift it up, Lift it up. In fact, I don't know people, women stronger than I am. Right? We're just doing it. But we're looking. Whose fault is it? Yeah, Pastor Rich and Don's fault. That's why they're laying there. And Jesus said, are y'all going to bring them? Because they're waiting to come. I already ordained your church to do this. Uh, what, what? I mean, did y'all hear the call? Or y'all listen to other calls? And he's, I'm waiting. And we're, we're no, we're going, oh, I know what we'll do. No, we'll do turns. We'll have a six-week Bible study on what it really means to go. And, and here's, I hear this all the time. It wasn't explained to me right. How much, I mean, come on, right? And, we're, and he's still there. He's still, still laying here because it wasn't explained right. What are we going to do? Um, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll only get the pastors to do it because that's what they're paid to do. And it's just here, paralyzed. And then, as someone say, we start to look like the people we're trying to save. Because some of us are sitting here because we're walking in unforgiveness as believers. So we're just laying. Can y'all move over? Because I'm just about to you too, because I want to be a victim also. That's, that's famous, being a victim. Just laying here. You know what God says for us to do? 
Get this. He says, grab a rope. Well, where's my rope? Where do you live? You have a D group? How many want to have a D group that the, feel, the ceiling comes off? If four people from your D group say, guess what? We're going to go down to so-and-so, and we're going to get and start ministering to them. We're going to start removing things in their lives, especially about in our city, God hates me. We're going to remove that from their life. Four is better than one. Let's get creative. And we don't need to build a schematic about it. I don't think they, ha- they didn't have the tools. Well, if we do it this way in that angle and we pull it up this way, now don't, don't, don't. I'm ripping this roof off because it's, it's, the desperation is heavy. I'm ripping this roof off because we are on a collision course with needs. The United States of America is on a collision course with needs. And mo- all of them are spiritual, not physical. Because the spiritual unlocks the natural. What gets me going? I didn't say it this first service. But I remember when I was laying on that. And I remember Ms. Donna praying for me, my brother-in-law praying for me, checking on me. I remember laying on that. And I remember them carrying me in 1992. I said, yeah. I trusted them. And now here I am. My perfect no. But that's what engagement does. You got what well, I'm saying, you gotta remember where you were so you can help people get to where they need to be. Sometimes we forget. We're so blessed that we forget who we are. And everything else becomes important, but not the most important thing. And I told the Lord, I repent. I got, we got to re-engineer some stuff to engage. Not to party, but to engage. Fear is running rampant in our city. That's why they cleaned out Home Depot. Because they're waiting for that to come. You better get up here, man. I'm going to shut up. I got you. I got you. <laughs> it's running rampant. And fear, is, break, fear is, is killing marriages. Fear is causing division. Fear, people are aware of their fear because that's why they gain a bunch of weight when they shouldn't be because of worry and stress and anxiety. And we serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. I have issues. I do. Jesus, yeah, you do, Rich. I know. But I can't make my issue the primary thing of my life and when I set others, help other people get free, my issues drop to the wayside. That's what it's about. 
We have the answer. Because we have Jesus. Some of you are paralyzed. And you're using other people as excuse why you're paralyzed. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. These guys knew less. We got all the word in the world. They knew less. All they knew was a man was in the house. And I got a man who's outside the house who needs to be with inside the house with him. All they knew is I got to remove every obstacle out of their lives so they can be in front of Christ so Christ can remove all the obstacles of forgiveness, all the obstacles of this, so they can be in Christ. That's all they knew. I love the Bible. It's simple, but what happens is we get so intelligent, we make it complicated. Think about it. You're going to work tomorrow with people on that, on that litter. You know who they are. But don't be so consumed about where you are because you're in the house. Be consumed because they're not in the house. Someone said the other day, it's a win-win if you die. Yeah, it's a win-win. If they do, it's a win-loss. We got to be like, I'm going to end on this one. I don't know where I'm going. You can, we got to be like, In our personal walk with Christ, we got to be like, I'll say it. I have a dog named Bandit. And Bandit, every morning I get up, or every night we go to bed, Bandit does not go to sleep until it's, it's okay. If I yell at Bandit, he spends all his time to make sure I'm not yelling at Bandit. But when we go out of town and we take Bandit out, he, he deals and he goes away, he has a thing called separation anxiety. Because he wants to be with his people all the time. And his people got to realize, we realize the, love, the more grace we give the Bandit, the better he behaves. But when we walk and we're trying to put stuff, he's falling all over us. He's everywhere. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What? Okay, bandit, and you can't yell at him. Let me give you a toy for being, you know, because he doesn't want to be away. We don't suffer. We can suffer from separation and anxiety with our walk with God. But the reason why they have anxiety outside of us, because they are separated from God. And know what, they, know what their, their fate is? To be eternally forever separated from God. So they're always walking in anxiety of who am I? Where did I come from? And what am I dealing with all these things? They don't have a clue, but we're defined. We know who we're children of what? God. So we have to even be closer to God in these days. This must be a prophetic word or something. So we don't start suffering. When we, have, when we deal with separation anxiety, we miss the ones who really have it. Like the big brother in the house. He got mad when the other brother got found. And his father said, you've been here forever. You got everything. You have everything. And you're mad because he was lost, now he's found? That's what God's saying in these days. That's what my city is about. You got to love your city. I love Abilene. I told someone, a group of people out there, if you don't find something to die for, you're not living. 
And I move all the garbage out the way so we can get Jesus into our city. Green Berets. We're more than three songs in a sermon. Everyone has someone on there. Take them to lunch tomorrow. Exchange phone numbers with them. In fact, Easter's coming up. Start working with them to get them here on Easter Sunday. But guess what? Don't be so concentrated on trying to get them into the church. Since Christ is in you, the hope of glory, get them close to Christ. And when they're close to Christ, because they're close to you. And Christ is in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in each and every one of us. And the spirit in us is greater than that which is present outside of us. Amen? I went long. And I apologize. I love this city. Jesus loves you. He would love for you to reach them. Some of us need aren't here, but you got to get God, Jesus right now. God's saying right now that you guys are uh, just swimming and stuff. Just stand up. Just stand up. If you're dealing with something in your life right now that you seem to be horrendous, everyone's eyes closed, every head bowed. If you, where you are right now, and you said, Pastor, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by problems, paralyzed by opposition. Wherever you are, just stand up where you are. I want to pray for you. No one's looking. Stand where you are. Anywhere else. Thank you. Anyone else? Father, I thank you right now for these amazing people standing. Lord, standing is what we do. But now, God, through your Holy Spirit, you bring transformation. You bring healing. I ask you to heal spiritually first. That which is that anchor that's holding them down. And let the physically come later on. But, Father, heal their heart. They may see you clearly. And when they see you clearly, they'll see other things clearly. So I ask you, bless them, God. I thank you, Lord God. Let us never, all any of us, deal with separation anxiety from you. Let us be like bandit. I need to be in your presence all the time. So we praise you and we bless you. These are your children. Pray you comfort them now by your spirit. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are amazing. Give the Lord a hand clap.